0: And welcome to another episode of Deal Talk. I'm Deal. Let's Talk. My guest of the evening is a music teacher, a songwriter. He is the founder of Life Review Musical. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Benjamin Kintich. Welcome to the show. Yeah. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Nice to see you, everybody at home. How are you?
0: Likewise, likewise, man. So before we started uh, talk, before we started recording on the show, I was talking a little bit about your musical which is awesome. Uh, I I loved it very Thank you so much. Very uh inspiring, very uh it's an it's an emotional piece because it talks about uh one of many things that regular people choose not to talk about. And you know, I liked it because your 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 piece just gives courage to talk about and it. it's okay if you talk about that.
1: That's well, right. I'll
0: gi- I, I'll I'll give you the floor so you can elaborate more.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll you you teed it up nicely. For those who are wondering, what's he talking about? So the play is called Life Review, the Hospice Musical. And as you are getting at, we deal with some tough subject matter, namely death and dying, dealing with our own mortality or the mortality of our loved ones, grief and walking through that grief journey, um, and even stuff that isn't medical, right? The nature of um, regret, Versus pride over a life. You know, when we think about our life in the rear view mirror, um, only in Hollywood, I should actually, I'm about to say something. I'm like, let me try again. <laughs> in, in Hollywood, a lot of times you find characters who are like Hallmark card cheerful in their old age. Where they're unusually attractive and healthy despite being in their late 80s or whatever. And then all of a sudden, when they die, it goes quick. And like a lot of that is to say, a lot of the messiness of death and dying we don't usually see in movies. Sometimes we do, uh, maybe more in television these days. Um, but I decided to go with the route of musical theater because that's what I love the most. And musical comedy specifically. Um, to quote one of my favorites, uh, Mary Poppins, it takes a, a spoonful of sugar to make the medicine go down. Mm-hmm. Right. So we laugh a lot along the way in order to feel comfortable enough to wrestle with this difficult material, you know, the death and dying being the most difficult of them all.
0: meant to that. Yes. Yes, indeed. So what inspired you to, to, to just start this, this way back to the beginning, because you've been doing it for, for, for quite some, for quite some time. Correct.
1: You got it. Uh, 10 years and we're still going (laughs) 10 years. We are still not yet on Broadway, but yet we're being the important one. Um, but, uh, yeah, it all started about 10 years ago in 2013. I was in New Jersey, uh, working, in a synagogue uh, as a cantor. That's like a music minister. And I began training on the side to be a chaplain, uh, a chaplain being a person of faith who helps people in their time of need. So I was training to be a chaplain and my home base was a residential hospice called center for hope uh, in uh, Scotch Plains and uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey. Mm. Um, The The time I had there was amazing. And part of the training include many, many hours of visits, uh, bedside. And, um, you know, in the manner of a, quote, full chaplain. But, you know, you're an intern doing the spiritual care, as it's called. So you do visits one by one. And there's a technique you learn called life review. This phrase, of course, I borrowed for the name of the musical and for the big song that's part of the musical. Um, But in clinical terms, a life review is an interview that's structured to give the person sort of an overview of their whole life. Um, It's a way to get kind of, I call it like the highlights reel of birth to death Mm -hmm. Uh, for the person who's able to share those stories. Dio, it's um, very powerful and cathartic. It helps them feel heard, and it helps their their lived experience feel valued and validated, right? So, I sat going now from pretend theater to real life experience. I sat with people who were famous, and I sat with people who you would have not paid attention to if you walk past them in the street, right? A guy who did adventures like someone who claimed to be in the CIA and then Mossad and another person who was proud to like pay off his mortgage and get Mm -hmm. his daughter into community college. Right. And to be clear, both of those lives are beautiful and valid and important in the eyes of God. This is how I feel, by the way, this is my personal theology, that every one of us is holy and is a reflection of God's Holy spirit. Now I try to use that Big idea. As I paint this f- fictionalized version of hospice, right? In real life, hospice, um, the patients aren't typically getting up out of bed and dancing um, with or without their cane or their walkers. Um, yeah, most most of the song and dance is a, a certain kind of imagination. Uh, but I'm not the first person to do that in theater. You know, you get to play mm. with reality when you're on stage. Um, but the essential truth of it is we get to visit up close um, with people's private moments, um those moments of of getting close to the end and even getting ready to to die and or to let go of their loved ones if they're the plus ones. Um, those are the quiet moments that we get to shine a light on in life review, the hospice musical. And, um, so I'm really excited to, to share that with you and your people. Um, I think I jumped over the second half of the origin story and it's a good one. (laughs) Um, I was doing this internship and I called up my wife all excited on the cell phone and I was like, honey, these stories I'm hearing, I think they want to be songs, and she goes, Ben, get writing. <laughs> so that night, I found uh, a journal book like this, you know, not as fancy, just plain black and white. This one I've decorated. That's a different story. <laughs> um, but she said, "Get writing." And so I opened up a journal book, and that night I, I wrote the the first draft of a song that actually made it to the show to this day. It's called "Will It Still Snow When I'm Gone," and it's a ballad. A lot of people find very moving, sung by a woman who's imagining a future after she dies and speculating, will there be winter again? Um, she was a a person from New England and uh, she loved the snow. You know, she used to ski with her kids so that she has a whole particular story. So when she's imagining life after she's gone, when she's wondering about, will it still snow when I'm gone. Um, And so I took that phrase inspired by a poem of the same name. And then I, blew up a whole story um around this imagined person um and it it's a it's a song i'm very proud of i shared it a few months later and a room full of people were in tears and the person organizing the workshop came over and said ben i think you've created something of great power um are there more songs and i said there are and i was (laughs) sort of like I'm still a little sheepish about it because, you know, this is my first musical, even though I'm a a professionally trained singer. um, You know, when you try something new and creative, it takes a lot of nerve. Um, If there's one message from my story, even if you don't care about musical theater, that's fine. Um, Whatever your thing that you're proud of that you're creative about, if it lives in a drawer, it's only your private secret little thing. And if you have the nerve to take it out of the drawer, I know I'm I'm a little antiquated talking about drawers and holding up journal books, but you, there can also be like the, the the digital drawer, right? Like if you have thumbed your great idea into your th- phone and it just sits there and you never share it with anyone, it really doesn't come to life. So when it comes to life is when you share it. And when people react with emotion or with excitement, you know, if it's funny and they laugh, if it's sad and they cry, that's when you know you got something. So in this case, it was important for me to have someone validate that I'd done something good. It happened to be a person who I'm still very friendly with. She eventually did a songwriting retreat that I was invited to and made a connection with a composer. And... um Thus, the nucleus of our creative team was born. So making those connections have been important too. Um, I don't want to use up all 45 minutes just on the story of the genesis of the show because I'd love to answer more questions. If you guys want to hear the whole long, winding history, check out lifereviewmusical.com and there's a long um, history as told by me with all the zigs and zags. And uh, I'll tell you, fast forward to present, we had a live show and a couple of live workshop performances. They happened pretty close before COVID. Then during COVID I pivoted, took a two and a half hour show, smushed it down to be 45 minutes, one man version facing (laughs) camera. You know, I have a black curtain that goes up behind (laughs) me if I do this performance. So it looks like a real theater. And, um, you know, this wasn't my idea. It was a coach who I was working with who said, like, it's either going in the drawer and sitting there till this plague is done, or you're going to figure out how to perform online. I hate technology, even though right now I present as comfortable, you know, looking at the white dot. <laughs> um, I don't know about you. Before this COVID thing, I was pretty clumsy with the tech, and I hated, pre- the, like, just the whole idea of performing live for computer. Very difficult. but. I got over it. Um and I was able to share the work with like 10 different organizations, venues, performances uh over the course of the year. Um including a big fundraiser for Denver Hospice and uh one time I did a show for an elder care facility and they piped it in to all the rooms with the closed circuit TV. So uh that might have been my largest audience yet just basically But that sounds so watch. awesome.
0: Yeah, but that sounds so awesome like you know, the spite of the hiccups technology may have, you were able to connect with so much people that you, you probably didn't thought you could connect to and open a whole new door. So that's something positive. So many that.
1: new doors, unexpected doors, because like take the Denver Hospice thing. So that gig was the most successful charity fundraiser I've ever done. Nice. It was virtual. It was produced by a podcast host, <laughs> who I befriended when she interviewed me early in the pandemic and she just thought it was a great interview. It was. Um but like I didn't go into that, that initial interview thinking someday I'm going to have a virtual cabaret that'll raise money for Denver Hospice. Like, yeah, yeah. But things unfolded beautifully because we had a nice connection and and she she was also moved by the the project. Um, by the way, for those of you listening, I'll give her a shout out because she has an amazing podcast. If you're interested in death and dying and don't know where to begin, um, the show that I love the most is called End of Life University. End of Life University. And it's hosted by Karen Wyatt. And it's a really good show. She has a very soothing voice. So if death like makes you nervous, she's <laughs> kind of like... A groovy doctor from Denver, <laughs> and she says this week's guest is the head of the Hospice Association of the Mountain West.
0: <laughs> so
1: either you're gonna learn a lot or just have a really beautiful nap. So there's your free podcast recommendation and <laughs> university, Karen. If you're listening, I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of you. I love you. Um. Anyway, so I mean. I brought up the podcast thing, but that was the other big thing that happened during COVID, Dio, that was crazy. Um, I don't know if you were, were you active with with your show during COVID?
0: Actually, I, I, that's when I started it.
1: That's when you started. Uh, Awesome. Yeah, I found a lot of people got started because they're like, stuck at home, might as well do a podcast. Um, So I got involved with Instagram and just connected with so many people, joined a couple Facebook groups, like people seeking guests da, 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 yeah da. yeah i did somewhere i did smile and dial like contacting all of the podcasts with the word death in the title or hospice in the title or jewish in the title um songwriting like you name it and so i got a lot of appearances um that's awesome so all you people out there with a dream and no one's heard of it um with a little bit of hustle People you can get might be interested yeah. in talking to you.
0: I totally agree. I totally agree.
1: You don't have to be famous to get on podcasts. In fact, once you're famous, you might not need to be on podcasts anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, very true. No, I mean, I'm, like, I'm having a lovely time talking with you. And it was kind of random connection via a Facebook group. But the way I figure it, I never know who I'm going to reach in yeah. any conversation. And I know you have your audience who's looking for an interesting conversation, and I'm happy to to spread whatever I have to offer, both about my play and life in general. Try to bring it both. That that's wonderful. Ask me another man. question, Dio. Well, there, it.
0: there's so many things. I mean, just from writing music, how do you? What is your writing process like? Because I, is it. Is it?
1: It starts with the book.
0: Is it an emotional like journey writing writing because you're you're essentially you're writing Wait, a song. two different
1: questions. You want to talk all about right, the process of the emotion or both? I could do one and then the other. All all I right, guess let's the do first one, one the one's other. simpler. For me, I'm a lyricist first, so Got for it. my musical, I wrote the lyrics for all sixteen songs. I wrote the music for one. Okay. The rest were all co-writes with two main composers: Jason Spiwack of New Jersey, Michael Miller of New York, with additional music by Andy Bossov and Miriam Cook. So four fantastic musicians who contributed music. Um, that's what I needed. There mm-hmm. are some people who are songwriters who are able to do it all by themselves. Um, One of my personal heroes, Lin-Manuel Miranda, he composes and writes the lyrics. Now, he's not like a piano player like his music director, but he plays enough to sketch out songs. Yeah. And that's how he does it. Um, Historically, in musical theater, there's often a split, like the classic musicals, Rodgers and Hammerstein, you know. This one did the words, this one did the music, and so forth. Um, For me, it was just, that's where my talent lies. Um, I hope in the future I get more and more brave about writing the music. Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly, like, write little ditties walking around, like little melodies, um, which is composing. It's just not as florid as I imagine composer means. Anyway, so that's my process, is I write the words, and then I pair up with a musician slash composer. Um, The actual process involves a lot of handwritten notes. This is a business journal, not a songwriting journal, but they're all decorated. That was a thing I learned at my songwriting retreat. (laughs) This is called Decopage. Shout out to Sue Horowitz. If any of your listeners like beautiful folk music, singer-songwriter type stuff, Sue Horowitz, amazing. And her most recent album um, is Gorgeous. So she's my songwriting teacher guru and at the songwriting retreats, we were given one boring journal and then a whole bunch of crafty stuff and you get glue that's like sort of diluted and you make it shiny and it sticks and it's all pretty. And then it, and then doesn't it just call your name? Like open me up, make something pretty. (laughs) Yeah. doesn't always work, but the hope (laughs) or the intention when you make a songwriting journal beautiful is that it will entice you to, to be creative. Um I think it's the same reason why a lot of people pony up at Barnes and Noble or at a gift shop for like a journal book bound yeah. in leather. It's like a little pretentious, but I think it's also you buy something like that hoping to do something nice with it. Right? Um <laughs> I just finished up a sketchbook. I'm by no means a quote artist, but um I've bought some nice sketchbooks the last few years to kind of play a play along with my daughter who who paints and draws a lot. Um, And a lot of the painting I kind of do on my own. Um, but because the book is a little nice, you know, it's like nice art paper, maybe 30 bucks for the thing. It literally takes me a year to go through it. But like, I don't want to F around. I want to make it kind of nice. Now I'll still be creative and I'll still sketch, but like there's something about it. So I think... I think the decoupage on your journal book might make you want a song write better, but again, no promises, people, uh, <laughs> no guarantees. It's just, it has helped. It has helped me to have, have stuff that appeals to me, but more important than the physical book is exercising the muscle of Sue might call it paying attention. Um, I, I, my wife and I were laughing about this the other day because I hear phrases all the time and then I say, oh, that's a song. And um, if you're listening and that happens to you all the time, you might be a songwriter. Um, if you are not current writing, currently writing songs, I encourage you to give it a try. Um, but like that tendency, it suggests you're kind of paying attention to little phrases, to wordplay, things that kind of rhyme or alliteration in unexpected places. That happens to me all the time. And so, like, I take out my phone and I say, Siri, take a note, song, title, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's funny. My phone just opened up. Close the note, Siri. Okay. Blah, blah,
0: blah. That's funny. My phone just opened up note.
1: It says song. <laughs> that was a good blooper. I just upgraded. That was an unpaid endorsement. People, <laughs> learn how to use your phone before you go live on air. Um, no, but the muscle that Sue trained us at the songwriting retreat was to be ready to hear inspiration. So there are different kinds of exercises that you can do what we call like generative exercises like there's songwriting books where they and they'll have like a list of song titles like fill in the blank there's one that i love that has a bunch of these where it's like over the blank once upon a blank i loved you until blank tomorrow there will be blank (laughs) and you just pick one of them and then you kind of spitball with a bunch of different words like Mad Lib style. And yeah. so one of them makes you laugh. And then that's the one you play with. And it's not to make quote a good song. It's just to make a song. Um, and so the willingness to try to write the song is what gets you to the good song. Um, disclaimer or warning, the good song never comes first. Um, in my case, I wrote a, a good song early on, but it wasn't my first ever song. So it wasn't like I had never picked up a bat and I hit a home run. I'd written several songs before, just nothing in the musical theater vein. And this this was a good one I started with. But I wrote a bunch of like really bad ones. Um, that's another tip, by the way. If your person <laughs> elaborates... You need to have a healthy and relatively ego-free relationship with your collaborator or it won't work. Um, And I'll tell you briefly the story to illustrate the point, Dio, because I I know you're into the creative talk. Um, So if this is super duper important, if you're into collaboration, you have to be ready to authentically accept the feedback of the person who's your partner or collaborator. As in, if you bring something to them, offering it as a potential collaboration, they might say, I like it. They might say, I love it. They might say, shrug, I have no opinion. They might even say, I don't like it. And worst of all, they might even say, it's not good. Or go back to the drawing board with that one or or however they say it, right? Mm. But here's the thing. If you can only accept... I love it and I like it. It's not a real relationship. God. Um, a dirty term comes to mind. So I have to say it politely. I would say, no, I'll just say it. Like that's just fellating. If <laughs> they are only going to tell you everything you do is amazing. Right. If, if they're just cheering you on for everything you do, it's nonsense. So if someone says everything you do is gold, they're either they're trying to get over on you or they're trying to sell you something or maybe they're interested in you romantically or sexually, but they're not a true collaborator. A true collaborator like my friend Jason will tell you when something's good and he'll also tell you when something isn't there. And so the isn't there part, I'll tell real quick. Um, I had this song and I thought it was going to be a dance number. Remember the play was set in a hospice so like I wanted to kind of explore relationships between the patients and the caregivers and I was like oh um, they're called orderlies and they work hard to keep things orderly by the way not the funniest punchline to build a song around but like that's where I began and then I was like oh it's gonna be reggae because all of the workers are from the West Indies this is true at least in hospices in central New Jersey, a lot of Haitian folks, a lot of folks from Jamaica, Dominican Republic and so forth. So reggae felt right. And I wrote a song that was just like orderly, orderly, keep it orderly, keep it orderly. And Jason looked at it and he's like, wait, so you're repeating this joke like 10 times. It's not that funny the first time. And where's the rest of the song? And I was like, Ew. just like <laughs> totally deflated, you know, on We Sports and you lose and the guy kind of yeah, crumples. Yeah. That was me. And Jason was like, hold up. He's like, are you serious about working with me? I'm like, what? He's like, pick your head up. He's like, the song didn't work. That doesn't mean this relationship is over. It doesn't mean we don't write a song again. It means the song didn't work. He's like, If you're real, he's like, part of the problem is no one uses the word orderly anymore. It's an antiquated term. We're contemporary musical. And I was like, oh, shit, you're right. (laughs) So it's like it wasn't even funny. And linguistically, it was a stretch. Yeah. Like, have you ever heard someone call a worker an orderly? Like that's like straight out of a film from the 70s or something like it just didn't work. But here's the key thing. It it wasn't that I wrote a bad song. Like, that happens. It was that when I was deflated, he's like, pick your head up. The song didn't work. Let's go on to... He's like, what's your next one? And I flipped into my book and I found something. I was like, I think this is something. And that still survives to today. And it's one of the best songs. So it was an... I'm going to quote Sue Horowitz one more time because she is my songwriting guru. Um, She taught that sometimes you need to get a bad song out of the way to get a good song. The best song I wrote at her retreat was like several years ago now, but it literally followed a trash song. I mean, just horrible song. (laughs) The metaphor was a big cliche about the tree of life and the circle of life and decomposition. And like, I was just reaching so hard. And when, when I read it back, you could like almost hear the sweat pouring out of my desperate hands. <laughs> it was just so, err uh. and then I turned the page and I wrote the song that is one of my strongest in the whole play. It's the, I wish song. Mm. For you musical theater nerds out there, you know the I wish song is the like the declaration of intention. Everyone knows Disney, right? So um part of your world is the I wish song for um Little Mermaid, for Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Um it's the song that Belle sings, um, and so forth. Okay. Um, that's the I wish song. So in my play, the I wish song is the rabbi who wants his prayers to be heard. Um, So that song was very deep and very personal for me to write. Um, And I shared it at that retreat and a rabbi in attendance was like,
0: pretty good. You you got it. Like
1: it rings true. Um, A lot of people are surprised by this song, perhaps more than the others, because um. even though our hero, the young rabbi chaplain is clearly with faults and he's not doing everything right. We still have this idea of clergy as like, you know, up on the stage, a little holier than thou or holier than us. Right. To be clear, I'm not holier than thou. I'm very <laughs> much a mortal with a uh, but that's a different podcast conversation. Uh, let's just let's just say, like former President Barack Obama, I put on my pants one leg at a time, and I also use the restroom at least once a day. Um, so that's the first and last time I'll compare myself with former President Barack Obama, for the record, at least this evening. Um, no, but anyway, all joking aside, um, yeah, I lost my train of thought, Dio. You got another question? You want to bring me back?
0: Yeah. So uh um, all
1: over the place. I want.
0: I want to know how is it? That was the pinball. <laughs> is it a, when there? you when you write these songs? Is it does it become emotional for you? Because yes, you, you mentioned. Emotion. Thank you. You mentioned that that um you're you're trying to do almost like a reel of between these individuals' lives. So that's like, right. That's right.
1: So. For me, the the process, how do I put this? I don't want to sound callous, but for me, writing a sad song versus writing a happy song versus a, a an uplifting song, the emotion is not in the writing for me. Mm-hmm. My biggest emotions I feel in the performance and maybe the exhilaration when the words are paired with music, that's very exciting. Um, in the writing, I feel creative, and I feel like I'm connecting to some sort of deep truth about the experiences that I've had. Um, I I tried to make it clear, like this musical is based heavily on my own experiences. I'm a cantor, which is a, a Jewish music minister, as opposed to a rabbi, which is a Jewish like priest or pastor, yeah. you know, head of the community, teacher and preacher. Um, So just to keep it simple, I called the main character Rabbi. Um, He is not me, but uh, my experiences certainly informed certain aspects of the play. Um, And I'll tell you that going deep into my experiences as a hospice chaplain trainee, which was already emotional, um, going back through that, was fertile emotional ground for songwriting Mm. and when the ground is fertile um the proverbial fruit that comes up is going to be rich maybe sweet maybe bitter maybe salty who knows but something something that evokes a powerful reaction um you know it's it's a funny little dance that i do throughout this work um because it's a musical comedy I'm allowed to be playful especially in the dialogue in between songs to keep things buoyant and try to prevent things from getting too heavy um I think when I stage um this play in its full-length version the challenge is in the second act when all of the our favorite people start dying or Ooh. rather die um they've they've been dying the whole time because they're in hospice care and we understand that from the opening song which by the way is a comedy number called spoiler alert um everybody dies in the end and so forth (laughs) Uh, um yeah so we tell everyone that that everyone's gonna die um but it still packs an emotional punch when it happens because we grow attached to them Um, When I perform the work now, Dio, and I am performing it actively as a one-man show and in conversations with different organizations about staging it uh, for a full ensemble cast. Um, When I do those performances, I try to bring my emotional self to it and I pour it out on the stage. And I think people can feel that. Um, Yeah, So, so that's that. Emotions. They they come out the most in the performance, but I I do feel like a lot of it comes through in the ink as well. So yes and yes.
0: <laughs> great, great, great. So you you've been performing for, for since the pandemic, one man show. Is there any possibility, any talks, any any near future projects that you may go back to creating the whole shebang? Uh, and not being a one-man show?
1: Great question. So what I need for the next step is a producing partner, uh, probably another theater organization. So if you're listening and you're involved with the theater and you find the project compelling, please get in touch, lifereviewmusical.com. There's a contact form there um, or on Instagram at lifereviewmusical. Um, I'm thinking the in-betweens right now I have engagements planned where I'm doing the one-man show for concert appearances at homes. Um, I have a couple of mini tours planned for next spring summer.
0: That's awesome.
1: Uh, One's going to be in Chicago uh, and one is going to be in Boston and the surrounding area in Massachusetts. Um, You know, it begins with one or two appearances um, and the house concerts are beautiful at this point. Cause I can play for a tight room of 20 to 40 people and it's really impactful. People find it memorable. Um, they yeah. all pitch in to cover the costs. And sometimes that's a great way to find someone who's like an angel investor or just really interested in helping out in some kind of way. Um, and it's also a great way as a springboard for the next thing, you know, cause once I'm coming to town, I can contact um, other places and say, Hey, I'm going to be here on so-and-so date. I'd love to come in and meet you. You know? So when I think about Chicago, it's a great theater town. Um, I can be in touch with the places that present new works and invite them to come see the show that will be at my in-laws apartment uh, on the South side. uh, You know, when we do it in late May, early June, whenever that happens, Uh, that's, That's the idea. So small shows for now invite the right people to try to spread the word, making appearances like this one. um, You never know who's listening. So if you're inspired today and you really like what you're hearing from me, learn more on the website, get in touch. You can help me grow this thing. Help me connect with the people, you know, in your local theater world, Um, because all the big stuff has to happen, starting with small stuff. Um, The other kind of connection I'm looking to make is with colleges and universities. So if you're involved with a college theater or university drama department, um, I'm interested in partnering for a group that might do a workshop. And again, that's sort of the bridge from it living in a binder. I keep holding up these things. I'm so old fashioned. I also have an iPad for the record. Um, But, you know, it's mostly living in a binder as a script until we put it on again. So I would mm. love to work with young actors to put it on, even, you know, performing from books or staging it. Um, so those partnerships are going to be huge. So if you know someone, binder if you're that better. someone, please be in touch. I'd love to meet you and and think about some possibilities. Um, and then the last thing, you know, we're we're continuing um I I have some feelers out where I live. I'm in the DMV, the 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 DC Maryland Virginia area. Uh <laughs> that's what we call it. Um and there's a lot of theater around here, so trying to find the right partners locally for something would be wonderful. Um but yes, um it's it's a hell of an exhausting thing to do a one man show. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, yeah, I can imagine. I'm
1: I'm very charming and I'm a very good singer, if I don't say so myself. But Jesus, I'm tired when it's done. I'm like, but you know, what
0: you can do is uh, let create like a uh, sort of con- online concert and sell tickets, and you could do think- it at the comfort uh, of your home, and that'll be more ideal because you you have just look uh, watching your the trailer, you have wonderful music like it, it could become an album and go on Spotify and reach so many places so i mean you got you you got a great you got a great movement you know that even going I into college that deal, mark i, I really do. do even like if going to college it's educating people on hospice that you know the com- how do i put it educating individuals having those conversations because the everyone, everyone yeah. is scared of them Everyone is scared of those having those especially young people
1: we you know not we i'm I'm no longer I guess I'm somewhere in between but I remember when I was twenty and I thought I was indestructible until I hit the ground right yeah
0: yeah we all all been fine, there. I'll tell you the crazy <laughs> story right but every, all been there
1: every person especially um men uh can relate to feeling invincible until you hit the ground or until you hit the wall or until yeah. you hit the something. Correct. right, and that often happens between the age of twenty and thirty, and the closer you are to thirty if that happens, oof oh man the... you
0: turn you turn thirty and everything starts hurting like where did yeah. this come from my back <laughs> you know so i I get it one hundred percent, but like i re- i, I recently like i want to say a year, I lost my grandmother she raised mm-hmm. me right, and i the the first thing that when i saw your 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 trailer the first thing that really popped into my head was like man if i had something like this you know that is it's not emotional it goes up emotion fun talk about something that definitely helped me in my grieving process and and not let it be so heavy on me you know
1: wow thanks for saying that i you know my condolences on the loss of oh, your grandma you. um you know it it is one of my hopes that this project educates and inspires people and hopefully helps them heal. I know a lot of amazing artists have tried to tackle this very big topic, right? And like, certainly in terms of tragedies, yeah. you know, One of the one of the kings, like for me is Angels in America, Tony Kushner, like that's a play that's like five hours long and you'll just cry till your face hurts. Like, that's amazing, but that's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. And um, my mother-in-law, who's an amazing um, writer named Rosellen Brown, um, she she has given me along the way reading lists. Some of the stuff is amazing. Some of it is great, but also like really heavy. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm like, oof. And she says, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, oof. And that's why it's powerful. Like, it's not the only thing you want to read. But like sometimes the the stuff, the, the really good artistic, creative stuff hurts. And that's what makes it powerful. It goes straight to that human emotion. So my hope is, you know, for the for the slice of the world that loves musical theater or maybe for random people passing through New York, if God willing, someday. I'm on Broadway, but even wherever this play may land, you know, I hope yeah. it continues to find an audience. I think because I, the whole world yeah, is dealing with this, this yeah. challenge. As my I, funny song goes, everybody dies in the end. Yeah, I so believe we all got to deal with it.
0: I believe that you shouldn't worry about Broadway. Broadway should worry about you.
1: Oh, Dio, Mark. I you need know, to book some time with you uh for some motivational stuff it, it's, without it's, without the cameras rolling, but I do appreciate it's it's cheerleading. Man, it's we and the encouragement. We I set do. these
0: we set these uh how do you put it these these what, bars goals? These not, not goals but bars on, on these pedestals like Broadway and theater when you can you can do it yourself. You're you are Broadway, you have the talent, you have you have the gold, you know, like thinking broadway is small when you can build your own broadway you know like never cut yourself short
1: well deal mark i appreciate that you know that just that just got me so pumped (laughs) i went from being real sad and solemn to all of a sudden like (laughs) who am i gonna call when this is over
0: (laughs) no man you gotta
1: i i I do appreciate the encouragement and um yeah man i want to uh I know you said about 45 minutes. Any chance I can uh, sing for you a little bit? What do you yeah, think about
0: that? Yeah, the floor is All yours. Right. Let's what do are you it.
1: feeling? Something uh, something deep? Something funny? What do you want?
0: Uh, Give me a little bit of both. What you got?
1: All right, a little bit of deep. And I have to go a cappella because I had a little bit of technical difficulties. But, you know.
0: Let's do it. Let's do roll. it.
1: All right, the title song, Life Review, it's in the form of a question. So I invite all of you listening to imagine your life, think about your life, and imagine if someone was asking you these questions. Hi, I'm the chaplain. I'd like to visit with you. May I join you? Tell me. Who are you? What did you do? Where did you go, who did you know, who did you love, who did you lose when you had a choice, how did you choose, tell me a story, give a glimmer of your glory. How you got to here and now. I am here to hear you now. We are here to hear you now. Life Review. Sing of joys and heartbreaks. We can hear your voice even as it fades. Life Review through the triumphs and the sorrows with more yesterdays than tomorrows time to do a little life review wow. that's excerpt of song number one
0: Wow that's amazing People
1: wanting more you it, want no, the rest of that one
0: I mean if you if you want to yeah I got if it you, yeah. I got Let's it you were
1: in it I'll keep going all right second verse. Tell me about your mom and dad. What was the best job you had? How about when your health got bad? And when did you feel fine? Where did you live? Where did you move to? What were the records you used to groove to? Is there time enough to ask all that I must? You can tell me your secrets if I earn your trust. What are you proud of? Are you carrying shame? Did you ever get married? What was their name? Too soon I have to go. Too soon you have to go. But now, life review. Sing of joys and heartbreaks we can hear your voice even as it fades life review through all the triumphs and the sorrows with more yesterdays than tomorrows time to do a little life review i could
0: see i can imagine it on I, I i see why you imagine it on broadway I, like i can see you could hear the orchestra swelling yes. underneath? Yes, yes.
1: Nice. In to- a, and a,
0: and a weird way, I can imagine it and see how it That's played. not weird.
1: That's perfect. I mean, if I did something else with a different style, you would hear a different backing track. Yeah, that yeah. one definitely sounds like a Broadway power ballad, for sure. Um, And here's the one to make you laugh. It's the opening number and the punchline and i'm ruining it by announcing it (laughs) well i'm not gonna explain the punchline you're too smart for that people here we go we don't mean to be a bummer but we've got some awful news it gets colder after summer and even winners lose Robert Frost composed on one fine day in a most poetic way. He wrote nothing gold can stay. That's what he said. But now he's dead because... Spoiler alert! Everybody dies in the end. <laughs> Sorry to ruin the play, my friend. Love em or hate him, this cannot bend. Everybody dies in the end. We all go when you gotta go. You hear every single person you know, my dear. The neighborly Ned who you just despise. Your trustworthy friend, the guy who lies. Holy sister, never sin in her life. Your mother, your father, your husband or wife. The hero and the villain of each shall tell. The sailor who battled a full four scale Spoiler alert! But um bum bum. Everybody dies in the end. Sorry to ruin the play, my friend. Love them or hate them, this cannot bend. Everybody dies in the end. It's the truth, Ruth. It's sad, Vlad. It ain't pretty, Kitty, but it's real, Camille. It's coming for all of us. No matter how you feel, no matter your name or country or game, it's the same, it's the same the man who's kind and noble and smart the woman who woke the world with her art the boy who lived with a baboon heart they all leave the stage when they're done with their part oh the curtain is up we will do our thing we hope you don't cry every time we sing whether you're married or you got no ring the loneliest pauper the loftiest king we all gotta die we all gotta die just sing just sing, just sing, just sing. Kick line. Everybody dies <laughs> in the end. Sorry to ruin the play, my friend. Love them or hate him, this cannot bend. Everybody, 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 everybody well, in dies, dies in the end. Everybody dies in the end. Bum, bum. That was awesome. Thank, thank you.
0: That was awesome.
1: All right. I caught you laughing. Well done. You did the right thing.
0: It was awesome.
1: So that song, I need to give credit. The conceit for that one came from my good friend Jason Speedywack. When we were first sitting and brainstorming for this show, he said, you know, I like the idea, but we need an opening number that's funny to break the ice. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, well, people are going to be nervous, you know, the topic matter gotta be funny it's like all right like something like everyone everyone's dying and i was like yeah everybody dies in the end like that's it
0: yeah
1: and there was the hook and so of course it has a double meaning like every character is gonna die in the end but it also means globally everybody dies in the the end and so all of and that's heavy and it's a little bit of a bummer But I think it's also really healthy to laugh about it while we acknowledge it, you know, because we might we might take people not so much for granted, but really pay attention to our loved ones, Um, you know, answer their calls, show up for the birthdays and holidays and so forth. Um, My little soapbox thing I say for all these appearances is if you have a loved one in elder care, a nursing home, rehab center, etc. cetera. Oh, jail and prison for that matter. Any place where people need to be visited and don't get enough visitors, visit them. Because you never know and you won't be able to anymore. It sounds dark, but like in You're my true. old life, working cl- as a clergy person, Dio, I met a lot of people at funerals who had regrets about the relationship that had stopped. And then they were like, oh, now I'm at your funeral. Yeah. You know. no Better to make amends and connect again. That's my yeah. message. Yeah.
0: Ten years in the making.
1: And we're still going, my friend. It takes a long, long time to build a dream. But if you like what you heard. Yeah. Please get in touch. Is this where I tell the people how to get in touch?
0: Yeah. Please just tell people where they can find you at. Where you can hear your music. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tee that one up. Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram at Life Review Musical. L I F E R E V I E W M U S I C A L. And Life Review Musical, same spelling, lifereviewmusical.com is the website. And that's where you can see this great trailer that Dio saw right before our interview. It moved him to tears. Um, he said this before we were recording, but he said that he cried so much that his mascara ran all the way down his <laughs> shirt and that he laughed so much that his child <laughs> came running in and said, Dad, are you okay? okay those are both things that didn't happen, but they should have. They yeah. shouldn't have happened. Listen, how do you apply my <laughs> mascara? You might have had that problem. The problem was not the quality of the sad songs, rather the, the lack of <laughs> mascara.
0: Oh, well, there you can have it, guys! Make sure you go follow him, go support him, go check him out. If you like what you hear, definitely reach out and support him. The most important part is that you support him. Uh, before we go, make sure you go to Deal Talk TV on YouTube, like and subscribe our YouTube channel to support all these amazing entrepreneurs like Benjamin here. Uh, make sure you follow me on Instagram at Mister Inspire Retain. I'm out, guys. Have a good night. <laughs>